Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. What a slate of games in the National Football League for week number three coming up. We can forget about Jags-Dolphins uh, from the other evening. In addition to the Bears and the Falcons, Sunday late games. We've got the Cowboys and the Seahawks, Cardinals and the Lions. On Sunday night, Packers and Saints, and the big one on Monday. Who knows, maybe this is going to end up being the game of the regular season. The Ravens and the Chiefs. All of these games with totals in the mid-50s. One of my favorite early odds guests will be joining me in a quick second. Later on, we'll check in with Stucky from the Action Network, a Vegas bookmaker, and Jim Miller in his weekly spot from Hawthorne Racecourse. No time to waste this morning on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Sports Radio 670, the score. We've got week three of the NFL. SEC back in action with college football. Big Ten around the corner. We find out the Pac-12 will be returning as well. NBA Finals around the corner. Stanley Cup Final going on. We're going to have eight MLB playoff games on Wednesday. <laughs> UFC, EPL Bundesliga, if you're into that. And our next guest, Drew Dinsick at whale underscore capper. I know he also has to keep up with the French Open. What's going on? <laughs> <Yes. Wales? laughs> oh, man, it is so great to talk to you, Gio. hope you're doing well. It's, uh, and you're right. This is a, a sports smorgasbord, uh, basically something for everyone, uh, and absolutely no complaints. I love this type of, uh, type of stuff. Uh, always something interesting to be following and handicapping, and this is, uh, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, no doubt. It is uh, so much fun, even though we knew this was happening. May- maybe a part of me d- didn't realize that they would all be continuing their seasons for the most part without a hitch, aside from Major League Baseball in the, the very beginning with just a- with a couple of teams. But ever since, it's been fine. Yeah, it turns out if you have uh, good leadership, uh, it's totally it's totally possible to navigate a pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, before we uh, 
stuff into politics. Let's move over to the NFL <laughs> world. We deal with small sample sizes in the NFL with only a 16-game season. So if you wait around for a larger sample size, as a better, a lot of times uh, your edge is gone by then. The market has already adjusted, maybe even over-adjusted. But after two weeks, what is the lead to you with the NFL overall? It go anywhere you want. It could be officials not calling holding penalties. It could be all the <laughs> overs that are coming early on in the season. Uh, surprise team in a positive or negative light. What really jumps out? I will for sure. Those first two things you mentioned jump out big time, and uh, they're and then and they're entirely correlated. In my opinion, I think a lot of the overs and a lot of the scoring you're seeing is being aided by the officials calling the game a little differently this year. Um, but you can't really complain from a fan standpoint because it's made the game more fun to watch. Like no one's sitting around like, you know, on their couch or their table saying that was a, a clear and obvious hold. Uh, you know, it's, it's much more fun to just see uh, free flowing offensive football. So I, I think they're probably serving the fans well. It's going to get ugly, though, if at some point they just flip the switch and decide, actually, we're going to call things a little tighter. And or if it's inconsistent from game to game. Uh, but overall, I think the way it's being officiated is leaning towards overs. Uh, overall, I think you're seeing um, kind of an emergence of a lot of the kind of young quarterbacks across the league really taking meaningful steps forward. Uh, the Kyler Murrays of the world, the Josh Allens of the world, like the fact that these guys are playing well uh, is kind of helping the uh, sort of the middle class of the NFL perform better and you know put better product on the field. And then uh, just in general, the clear and obvious rich got richer this offseason you know the fact that you have uh you know teams like the ravens and the uh, chiefs who retained almost all their key parts and their coaches uh and that they've picked up where they left off really without losing a step like ravens especially like you have to kind of look at their two performances so far and say you know is it possible this team is even better than the team that went 14 and 2 in the regular season last year and was covering spreads with their eyes closed so that's kind of the key uh kind of overarching uh feeling that i've gotten and uh, also to those who plays fantasy football, like the the degree to which top level players have uh, have gone down with injuries has been pretty amazing. Like this is probably the some of the more impactful uh, kind of season long. Uh, injuries to the talent players, you know, the the running backs, the tight ends, the, the wide receivers especially, uh, has been pretty amazing that, that so many guys, have, meaningful guys have gone down. Um, but uh, thankfully with healthy quarterbacks, uh, we're still getting uh, high quality football. Before we go back and forth with our favorite plays for week three in the NFL, I'm not a trends player, but I just want to get your, your thoughts on it because it could be more about situational spots. It's what a lot of sports bettors talking about this week. Uh, last four years, you have 0-2 teams. When they're the underdog in week three, last four years, they are 21-6 and six against the spread, 78%. <laughs> if you go back to 2006, it's wow. 48 33 <laughs> And three, that's still a big number. It makes sense to me, Well, I'm not saying yeah. that, that I'm strictly going to look at these nasty 0-2 dogs and play a lot of them, but after I did my handicapping, looking at the card, there are a few that I like. Yeah, no, and it's not crazy. Uh, and if you were to ask me, is this real or noise, I would lean more towards real. It exactly speaks to another point that you brought up off the top, which is – you as a handicapper, you as a market maker, if you're, you know, if you're, you're limit betting out there in the NFL, you have a very difficult decision to make this week, which is how do I weight the information I've gotten through two weeks relative to what I had for a prior this season, right? And what that effectively means is we'll take the Minnesota Vikings as a great example. Everyone in the market agreed 
come the end of August that the Minnesota Vikings were candidates to compete for the NFC North. Uh, they were a nine-win team, right? That, you know, there was no one was running to the window and scrambling and making bets on the uh, Vikings team total under by the time we got to kickoff week one. And yet you look at the line for this week three game and they're two and a half point dogs at home to another team that was expected to be a nine-win team. And that's tough to square. Right. I mean, that, that so something fundamentally has changed in terms of everyone's um, you know, interpretation of who the Vikings are as a team. Uh, and they're being now power rated like more like a five or six win team than a nine win team. And the question is, is that an appropriate reaction given the information that we've gotten so far? Or is this an overreaction? Um, and this happens across all of these 0-2 teams where people look at, uh, you know, look at the standings or look at the results so far and decide, oh, well, this team's not as good as we thought. Therefore, we're going to downgrade them. Therefore, uh, you know, we're going to you know, put, a, put a number up for, for this market that is kind of entirely divorced from what we thought just two weeks ago right? Thursday night football, great example for that. The Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars were power rated as exactly equal before we started the season. And yet Jaguars went into that game as three point favorites. And that, you know, and we know home field advantage certainly isn't three points today in today's NFL. So clearly there was a market adjustment that said, oh, well, the Dolphins are worse than we thought and the Jaguars are better than we thought. Therefore, this should be, uh, you know, Jaguars minus three. And that was an overreaction. And their points were available there to take uh, a, a team and, you know, an O2 team with, uh, with the Miami Dolphins and, uh, you know, and get a, a discounted price on them. And I think you kind of have to go through case by case and really look at these 0-2 teams and decide, is the downgrading of this team based on you know, what we've seen so far real, or is this an overreaction? Uh, a team like the Vikings, I would say that downgrade is real. A team like the Lions, I would say that downgrade is an overreaction. Uh, and so, you know, when you look at those two games in particular, I would say I have no problem laying the points with Tennessee because I really do think the Vikings are more like a five-win team, uh, whereas the Lions, uh, you know, as six-point dogs to the uh, to a team that they played, you know, they played the Arizona Cardinals to a to a uh, tie last year in week one uh and now they go back out to the desert and they're six point dogs uh and they're going to have you know kenny galladay back so their offense is going to be more dynamic that's a lot harder to square for me that uh that that's a fair number a fair price uh than uh you know than something like uh the vikings being dogs at home this week and depending where you look all of a sudden the cardinals are like 15 20 to 1 to win the super bowl <laughs> like, yeah, right. okay. yeah okay sure. they've gotten a little <laughs> out of control here uh, yeah that's what happens when you beat the, the mighty Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> this is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest, Drew Dinsick at whale underscore capper. Whale, you're the guest. Why don't you start us off? We'll go back and forth with our favorite plays on the week three card. Uh, but where do you want to start, side or total? Well, I did. I guess uh, just to put a, a final pin on, I, I did lay the points with Tennessee. I do believe Tennessee is going to be a factor when it comes down to the AFC playoff picture. Uh, they're clearly in the next tier of teams behind the uh, um, behind the Chiefs and behind the uh, Ravens. But uh, the way that Ryan Tannehill is playing in this offense, the way that he's pulled together this diverse set of weapons, John New Smith has really emerged as a tight end. Corey Davis has finally given us something from the wide receiver position. I uh, don't think we're going to see A.J. Brown this week, but they have exactly the right 
uh, kind of diverse set of offensive weapons to really make the uh, Vikings hit them where it hurts. The Vikings are struggling so sincerely on defense because they have, they're asking a lot of some really young and experienced players. And, you know, Mike Zimmer's defensive scheme is complicated. It's going to take these guys weeks and weeks and weeks uh, to really find comfort in this defense. Uh, and without uh, Daniil Hunter there to help uh, provide some sort of pressure uh, on the quarterback position, then, uh, you know, you just have all the, you have, you have these guys, inexperienced guys, you know, hanging on for dear life playing cornerback and it's easy to pick these guys apart. So I think Tennessee's offense is for real. I believe the signal we're getting so far that this is a, you know, a top tier NFL offense. And I think they're going to cover that uh, two and a half point spread against Minnesota. I'm all in on fading the Vikings. It's been profitable through the first couple of weeks, but I, I don't know if I'm going to end up pulling the trigger uh, there uh, this week. It's, it's a tough one. The Titans have not impressed me. Through, I mean, they, they could easily be 0-2 with, with what yeah. they've so far. That, that's uh, where my hesitation comes in on them. Where I'm going to start, Whale, is uh, how about your team? How about the Patriots? Laying <laughs> five and a half right now on points bet against the 2-0 and Raiders. Total of 47 and a half. Uh, the New England offense with, with Cam Newton under center, they've impressed me so far. I liked what I saw Sunday night. Uh, they're at 6.3 offensive yards per play right there with Dallas. And on the Raiders' uh, side, it's a, it's a short week, tough spot for them, coming off the all-out effort on Monday night in their victory over the Saints. Their defense has been getting gashed early on, 6.7 yards per play. Uh, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller not participating in practice the first couple of days. Uh, I expect to see him on the field on Sunday, but it, it looks like we might have a cluster situation going on with the offensive line of Vegas as well. Incognito on the IR with an Achilles. Trent Brown did not practice. That's so good. Uh, one of their guards did not practice as well. So um, I, I think it's just Patriots off a loss. Horrible situation for Las Vegas going across the country. I think the Pats laid on him in Foxborough. Yeah, it's a brutal situation. You got that exactly right. Uh, early game, cross-country flight, short week, uh, injuries to so many of your important parts. And if, um, you know, the, Derek Carr is a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of quarterback, um, if he has comfortable – if he's comfortable in a, a clean pocket, um, he can do damage. He's got a great set of wide receivers and tight ends to pick you apart down the field. Um, but if you can get pressure up the middle on him, then, um, you know, he's, he's skipping passes. He's, he's throwing it, you know, into the, into the stands. Uh, and uh, if Bill Belichick is the coach that I know him to, to be, uh, I would expect that he generates some interior pressure and makes it a long day for Derek Carr. So I don't mind that look at all. I was surprised that it moved down to, to Patriots um, five. I thought that was going to six and a half. Um, looks like somebody knew that uh, there was an injury going on with the center for the Patriots. It's tough for me to say that that's worth a point. Um, but I agree with you that the way they played against Seattle and on Sunday Night Football was impressive. Um, what they've done kind of unlocking sort of the old Cam Newton uh, in this offense is pretty awesome to watch. And uh, I do think the Patriots are uh, a force to be reckoned with. And uh, a kind of early look, uh, I don't mind them getting seven and a half points next week against the Chiefs too. They kind of match up pretty well with where the Chiefs' weakness is. So that should be another competitive, fun AFC uh, uh, you know, game that matters for the AFC playoff picture. Uh, Drew, what do you like in addition to Tennessee? So I put uh, an interesting play where I'm kind of turning a heel uh, after being really bullish on the Rams for two straight weeks. I'm flipping uh, the switch here and putting a bet down on the Bills at minus two and a half. Um, similar kind of thought processes to how the Raiders were in a terrible spot uh, flying across the country to play the Patriots at an early time slot. Some, you know, the even worse for the Rams who – 
specifically requested, we know we have a couple of road games on the East Coast this year. Will you give them to us in a back-to-back week so that we can stay on the East Coast? The new rules come around with, uh, you know, the COVID restrictions and they say, oh, sorry, Rams, I know we had you in Philly week two and Buffalo week three, but you actually have to fly back to LA to get your tests and your paperwork done. And so now they get to make two trips across the country and back-to-back weeks. It's tough on, you know, a young team uh, and a team that uh, didn't have an off season to really kind of get their fitness in there, uh, you know, and, and no preseason travel. So this is, this is an unusual situation where you're asking them to kind of bear the brunt of a very difficult travel on top of the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of Jared Goff's, positive performances so far this season is because they've done an excellent job of kind of keeping him upright and they've schemed a way that uh, he can get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. Uh, and most of the yards we're seeing are coming, are coming after the catch. Uh, and I think the Buffalo defense matches up effectively well, uh, stopping that from being a, you know, a perfectly smooth running offense on top of the fact that you have uh, an injury now to the left guard note boom, uh, for the Rams, and really every single Rams injury is an important injury because they are a very, very thin team. So much of their cap is uh, is kind of the players at the top, they're, they're true stars, and the guys that they have backfilling uh, you know, are really sub-replacement level. So I think you're going to be able to see some of the interior pass rush from Buffalo make a difference, uh, hurry, you know, put some pressure on Goff and uh, bring out the worst of him in this contest. And uh, meanwhile, with the the passing attack for the Buffalo Bills has been spectacular so far this season. I think Josh Allen continues his progression uh, in his development as uh, kind of a, a legitimate NFL quarterback. Not something I thought I'd say a few weeks ago, um, but I think he can cover a, a spread that's under the key number of three for Buffalo. Yeah, and how about it with Buffalo? We're talking about the offense. I was interested to see where this number would go with a pair of 2-0 and teams, both impressive uh, thus far this season, but it really seems like uh, much of the action so far has been more excited about the Rams side. I was a little surprised to see the look ahead at 3.5, then it cuts through the key number of 3. I'm seeing yeah. some, two, uh, some twos out there right now, Will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two, two and two and a half is is not a big enough difference that I'm especially worried about it. But you're selling high on the Rams. The power number that is currently reflected by the you know the market uh, for the Rams, I think, is at the top of their range um, because they've beaten the, they beat the Cowboys in prime time. Um, a lot of you know, and they were a popular bet. That number moved big time. Uh, especially, you know, as we got to close, you know, they rewarded the backers week week one beating the Cowboys. Uh, they rewarded their backers week two. Again, that one was opened up at uh, Rams plus three, got bet all the way across, you know, across Pickham uh, to where they were favorites before it came back across. And so influential money has been rewarded two weeks in a row on the Rams. And so I think that is kind of, um, you know, trickling into sort of a market overreaction on how good that team is, especially if I'm right and the loss of no boom is significant and you start to see uh, you start to ask Jared Goff to perform under pressure I need to see it I need to see him do it before I'm putting my money on him my guest Drew Dinsick at whale underscore capper co-host the deep dive podcast this is early odds with Joe Ostrowski on sports radio 670 the score and uh, Drew I want to get your thoughts here I believe you have a play on this game how about the the local team the Bears as the 2-0 and road team they are getting three at the 0-2 Falcons. It's actually been bouncing around this week. It's uh, been, for the most part, a juice three or a three and a half. Atlanta gives up the big lead last week to the Cowboys. They've uh, faced two of the better quarterbacks, certainly two of the better offenses in the league so far with Seattle and Dallas, 31st in defensive yards per play. They're up there in, in pace. 
And then uh, the Bears, you have their 2-0, and but they should have lost the game to the Lions. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, nowhere to be found for three quarters of that game. And then you're expecting them to just hammer the Giants after Saquon exits, and it doesn't happen. They don't score a point in the second half. They didn't score a touchdown in the first half of that Lions game. The offense uh, unable to put together four quarters, much like uh, we saw last season with this team. And in this spot, the Falcons should be the three-point favorite. Until proven otherwise, and I, I don't see any way they're going to prove it, um, the Bears can't put together four quarters of offense. So I just don't see any way they hang with the Falcons. So I'll take Atlanta laying three. Yeah, I think that's the right side. Uh, I, I couldn't end up pulling the trigger on this one. I, I, you know, I, I thought hard about Atlanta minus three. Uh, I ended up taking that stake and, and putting it on uh, Falcons at 12-1 to 1 to win the NFC South. Um, because realistically that's, it's a, it's a, it's a, that number is out of control. I get it. The Falcons defense is not great. They gave up 40 point, 38 points to the Seahawks, 40 points to the Dallas Cowboys, but those are two of the better offenses in the entire NFL. I don't think you can look at those two results and say, you know, that tells you a ton about this team. Uh, their only kind of major issue, much more so than the defense, in my opinion, is just Dan Quinn is not a great coach. Um, but at, to the degree that they have, I think the best quarterback, uh, in the NFC South. Uh, and I would say the uh, competitive set of uh, receivers and just, a, you know, an offensive line that's getting better. Um, you know, I think their offense is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with all of these other teams. And they're 0-2. They're behind the, you know, the Bucks and the Saints at 1-1. One and one. Um, And I think they can claw their way back into that race. Uh, and specifically with this game, I agree with your takes. Um, if you're not getting four quarters of offense out of the Bears, then it's going to be tough for them to keep pace with the Atlanta Falcons team that's going to put scoreboard pressure on you. Um, and in reality, you know, it's at, at some point you think uh, Atlanta likely to have a two-score lead in this game, and uh, at that point it's a uh, it's good night uh, game over. So credit to Nagy for you know putting together uh, a couple scrappy wins against some uh, some of the worst you know worst teams in the NFL, uh, but that's kind of where you want to be behind the bears uh, as far as expecting them to get wins this year. It's not up against the elite offenses. It's up against teams that are, you know, fundamentally flawed. Uh, Drew, any other game sides, totals, team totals that you like? Uh, I took a swing on the giants at plus four. I basically capped this game. Like the giants are playing the 2018 uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, like, I don't think you can risk putting these guys out there uh, and losing them for multiple weeks. I think you just uh, uh, have to try to win ugly in this one and head back home. So I took the four points with the Giants, and I think they're alive to compete for a win here. I laid six and a half with the Browns earlier this week. Uh, I know it's up to seven and a half, seven and seven and a half across the board now. I think that's still a fair play. Uh, the Browns match up extremely well against the Washington football team. You know, the way their offensive line and their running game can uh, dictate sort of the end of game state here. I think they can gain a lead on this Washington team and uh, put them away pretty comfortably with the rushing attack. Uh, and really just the Washington offense is, uh, is so, so, so far from being a competitive offense in the NFL that uh, I think the you know Browns number of players coming back from injury, it's going to matter and especially in their secondary. So uh, should be a fun one for Cleveland to uh, continue to reestablish some, expectation for their season uh and then i played a, a bunch of totals in the late games and the uh, primetime games i got an early over on the cardinals lions i think that's an offensive showdown uh i got an early under on buccaneers 
Broncos. Uh, I can entirely see a scenario here where the Buccaneers shut the Broncos out entirely because Jeff Driscoll <laughs> is not Jeff Driscoll is not my guy. <laughs> He's not my quarterback. Uh, and Vic, Vic Fangio kind of on the record this week. We're going to shape the offense around his strengths. Uh, that to me means we're going to go very conservative and lean on our rushing attack. And Tampa Bay stops the rush so effectively uh, that I think you're going to have a lot, you know, more punts than first downs in this game for the Broncos. So under is a good look there. Shootout in Seattle. My goodness, two of the better quarterbacks in the NFL going toe to toe against overmatched defenses. That one's going to be a ton of fun. I think that's looking. That looks like an over. I played the under on Sunday Night Football. This one's the only one that the market is in stark, totally disagrees with me. I bet under 51 and a half. It went up to 52 and a half. So clearly not impressed by my play. But uh, <laughs> I, I see, uh, no, I don't think we're going to see Michael Thomas. I think that's very likely. I don't know that we're going to get 100% Devontae Adams. And even if Adams is out there, I think Lattimore matches up well with him to um, kind of shadow him across the field and really cover him tight. And if you know anything about Aaron Rodgers, he does not throw into tight windows, uh, which means I think you're going to see you know, low efficiency passing game from the Packers, uh, which lends them to lean on their rushing attacks. Similarly, uh, you know, Sean Payton's a smart coach. He knows you attack the Packers on the ground. Uh, on top of that, you can kind of hide some of the deficiencies of Drew Brees at this point in his career. Uh, so I think this sets up well for sort of a rushing attack, field position, field goals, not touchdowns kind of game. So I took the under there. And then last but not least, Monday Night Football. Yes. Uh, whew, man, boy, did they give us a good one preview of our presumptive AFC championship game here. Uh, the AFC championship game we should have got last year. We finally get to find out who's better between these two quarterbacks, last two MVPs. Realistically, uh, I agree that Ravens should be favored in the spot. They are clicking on all cylinders, whereas the chiefs look to be off their peak, at least for now. Um, but I can entirely see a scenario here where the Ravens have early game efficiency, touchdowns, not field goals, uh, and really kind of put Pat Mahomes under the gun in terms of making a comeback, uh, which tends to unlock his best play. Uh, so this is another overspot for me on probably one of the most fun games we're going to get to watch in this early part of the season. Woo, there's, a, there's a lot there. Uh, you didn't make me feel great about – the Denver Broncos and taking them plus five and a half at home. The biggest home dog of the week. Uh, yeah, Godwin's coming back. It, it could get real ugly. Uh, the under might be the play there. Um, but uh, Tom Brady's had a lot of struggles early in the season. He has. Out in mile high. So uh, I, I'm going to take the home dog there with the Broncos. You talked about the Seattle-Dallas total going over. I, I think this is one of those – one of those numbers that we're going to see movement on Sunday. And I think it's going to be closer to a field goal than where it sits right now. I just view this as, Ooh, as, a, yeah. one, as a one score game. Um, you're playing that total. Is there any concern about the slow pace that Seattle has played to so far? I would say yes, except for the fact that uh, your Cowboys have a zero ability to create a pass rush on top mm -hmm. of the fact that they're dealing with a uh, cluster injury at the cornerback position. I mean, realistically, they could be starting guys who don't belong on an NFL roster uh, covering guys like DK Metcalf. And we just saw what DK Metcalf did to Stefan Gilmore. Um, I think there are going to be uh, shots to be taken down the field in the passing game here for the, uh, uh, for the Seahawks. And realistically, um, you know, the one weakness, I guess, for the Cowboys offensively is that they are dealing with some offensive line injuries. Um, but clearly, uh, Seattle's inability to create a pass rush as well 
uh, should keep that from really stopping any kind of Dallas Cowboy drives. So 56 points seems like a lot. People probably look at that and they're like, I can't bet that over. That's too many points. But, uh, you know, this sets up like a Big 12 game. You're telling me that Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott aren't going to get four touchdowns apiece on Sunday? I have a tough time buying that. And I, you know, I don't know if it's coach speak or not, but Mike McCarthy's out there. He's like, yeah, no, we're not going to try to do ball control and keep Russell Wilson on the sideline. We're going to pass and try to score as quickly as possible. So uh, if they actually play that way, like, yeah, all the signs are, are shooting way over 56. Yeah. And I mean, even Seattle's slow pace, they got what, 38 points in game one, 35 in game two. So I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they have converted every single red zone opportunity into a touchdown at this point. And that's not surprising. Like (laughs) Russell Wilson is that good. Um, and with the way that uh, the Cowboys defense looks to me right now, there's going to be a lot more of that Sunday. Yeah, great NFL card for week number three of the year. Our guest, Drew Dinsick, at whale underscore capper. Check out the Deep Dive podcast with Whale and Andy. You will learn a lot. If you're an NFL fan, you don't even have to be a better, but uh, if you're an NFL fan at all, uh, you'll really enjoy that podcast. So I highly suggest you check that out. Best of luck, Drew, this weekend. Hey, thanks, Joe, and best of luck to you too, and uh, keep up the great work, man. Up next on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, take a look at some more games on the NFL and college football card this weekend with Stucky from the Action Network and Vegas bookmaker Chuck Esposito. Thank you for listening to 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast early odds here on sports radio 670 the score joe ostrowski with you on this saturday i like to bring you some actionable information from my other sports betting show 
Bet Sweats live weekdays 9 to 11 a.m. for free on the Radio.com app. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That's the best thing to do. Bet Sweats, iTunes, Spotify, and Radio.com. Myself and NFL analyst Ross Tucker, who spent seven years in the league, spoke with Chuck Esposito, sportsbook director at Stations Casino in Las Vegas. We've had um, some some good movement in these week three matchups uh, earlier in the week. I know there was uh, some action coming in on the Texans. So that game against the Steelers moved down. When you look at the look ahead, like the games like Philadelphia and Cincinnati, so, some big time movement there. Eagles, such a dis- disappointment early on. Is there an NFL game or two that you think is definitely going to move? Because uh, we, we always see it on Sunday mornings. We wake up, we find out about the in- inactives and there is some crazy line movement. Are there a couple of games that you're eyeing for that? You know, I had a couple of the games that you already touched on, Circle, that we've seen some play on. We've even seen some play on the Panthers. So they have played some some dogs this week. I think you can make a case, guys, for a number of underdogs this week that you might see a late push on. One is the Texans. Um, I think the Rams, um, you look at who the Rams have beaten in their first two games. They look a little bit more like the Rams of two years ago that went to the Super Bowl. Um, the Bills, you know, not marquee wins. They're 2-0. and I guess we'll find out if they're for real or not. The Rams do have to travel back across country again. Um, but I think maybe on the Rams. And I think the Cowboys, too. Um, you know, I think both these two teams are good teams. They, they're they're headed, I think, both for a playoff spot in the NFC. And I know I touched on Packers Saints, maybe a preview of the NFC title game. I'm sure right now the Seahawks would have something to say about that. But uh, I like the Cowboys, too. I think you're going to see some action come in on the Cowboys. And I think that's a game where whoever has the ball last is probably going to win that game. But those are the two that kind of stand out to me right now, guys. Chuck, I'd love to ask you about the public dogs. Uh, which, which underdogs are the public coming in on? I, I have a guess. Is it the Cincinnati Bengals? It is. I mean, you, you've definitely okay. seen more. I, I would say I'm not sure that's necessarily public. I mean, that was kind of a more of a sharp bet early in the week that they, they took the Bengals in that game. Same thing with uh, with the Panthers. You guys touched on to the, the Texans earlier. I think you look at the Rams, the Texans, the, the Cowboys, the Packers and the Chiefs. You can almost make a legitimate argument that in kind of five of the biggest games of the week that there's some value with the dogs in all five of those games. There's a lot going on this week. You mentioned already, Chuck, some of the awesome, awesome games um, that we're looking at. Any totals that you see being over underinflated right now? Well, I mean, the Cowboys-Seahawks total. I mean, it's the fact that it's, you know, <laughs> so high. I mean, you look at these two teams, and the, the Cowboys came back in that game against the Falcons. We know how they can score. Seattle has scored over 30 points in both their in both those two games. I mean, it, it looks like on paper there's no way we're going to be able to keep that game under right now. Um, so, you know, I, I think that game's going to continue to climb up. You'd wonder about the Washington-Cleveland game, if you're going to see maybe an under there. And I think the Titans-Vikings game's a little bit high for me. I think the Titans still want to get back to that running the ball style. And it's obvious when Kirk Cousins has to throw, it's not a good thing for Minnesota. He threw three INTs last week. They want to be able to run with Cook as well. I think with both those two teams, they're going to want to control the ball and eat clock. So I think that totals a little high in the Titans-Vikings game as well. How much do you expect Chiefs-Ravens handle to just smash any other sporting event that you've had since the Super Bowl? Oh, uh, It'll be huge, guys. I mean, I, I think everyone's been talking about this game, and, 
And anytime you have the defending champ playing a team right now that you can look at as maybe is a little bit better. I think that's why they're the favorite at home. They've played better on both sides of the ball. Jackson continues to get better every year. He's more of a pocket passer. He's got three good running backs. He's got a young receiver in Brown and a great tight end in Andrews. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs should come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder or some bulletin board material that they're, uh, you know, an underdog in this game. But I think both Sunday and Monday, we're going to have huge handles on these two games because not only are they great games, but they're all four public teams, too, that usually get a lot more action. And anxious to see kind of that Packers-Saints game, too, guys. Not sure if we're going to see Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams yet, but I didn't think the Saints looked good. On Monday night against the Raiders, I, I thought Breeze didn't show a whole lot in that game. He looked uncomfortable without Thomas. And if there's one guy who's got a chip on his shoulder this year, it's probably Aaron Rodgers. So I think both games, Sunday and Monday night, are going to have huge handles uh, industry-wide out here. So, Chuck, you mentioned Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas. I'm curious, how much of an impact do guys like that have either in the lines or just, you know, your guys, how you're power rating these teams? It's funny that you say those two guys because we had the discussion last week that there was probably only two wide receivers in all of football right now that really would impact the number. And they were Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. And maybe you could make a case that Hop was in that discussion as well. Um, I would think it's about a half a point, maybe. Um, it's hard to say because both teams have other wideouts and, and but no marquee guy on either side. So probably about a half point. We still think both these two teams are really good. It makes it more difficult for us when we don't know if they're in or out. Um, we know that we're in an information era and we're constantly trying to get as much information as we can because we know the guys on the other side of the counter are able to get this information as well. But probably about a half point now, guys, and we'll kind of wait and see what, what ends up happening with these two guys. I thought you know, early in the week that both had a, a good chance to play, but I'm not so sure uh, as we speak this morning. Which college football game is getting the most action? I mean, we've got some heavyweights going at it next week in the SEC, but what about this weekend? Yeah, it's it's fun to have a, you know, to look at the college football board and see, you know, so many more games than we've had over the last few weeks. I mean, the Louisville Pitt game is is a really good game. Um, I know Louisville struggled against Miami, but that game's getting good play. The Florida State uh, Miami of Florida game is, is uh, another really good game. Uh, a little bit of action on Texas Tech, getting the points against Texas. Same thing with uh, TCU against Iowa State. But overall, really good to see so many more games on the board for us. Chuck, I'm good, man. I'm ready to go. Any, give me, give me one <laughs> underdog before we let you go. All right, I, I touched on them earlier, boys. I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. They're lucky to be one and one. I think the Seahawks losing Irvin is a big loss. I know they still have Jamal Adams. Last team uh, to have the ball in this game is going to win it. I think getting points in this one, especially over a field goal, is too much value with that Cowboys offense on prime time. I'm going to take the Cowboys and the points. I like it. Chuck Esposito, bookmaker out in the desert. And also on Bet Sweats yesterday, we spoke with the Action Network Stucky. He doesn't sleep. The guy just bets nonstop. Uh, Stucky, before we get to the NFL, I want to hit on college football. Okay, Pac-12, they're in. Seven games in seven weeks. Big Ten, they're coming back around the corner. Nine games in nine weeks. Unlike the SEC, ACC, Big 12, there's no wiggle room with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Uh, do you think it's going to work? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how this whole college football playoff is going to work. I mean, this would be the perfect year to just 
do an eight-team playoff, right, and just say all these conferences are doing different things. Let the conference champion, or if you can't even have a conference champion, just, you know, the regular season winner or the conference selects which team is going from the five power fives, the committee, and this would be the perfect format anyway. The committee takes, you know, the best group of five team and then selects the two other best teams. And then you can always make sure your Alabamas, whoever you want, are in there if they don't win their conference. Um, It's going to be dicey. I mean, the one thing that gives me a little hope is that the Power Five teams, uh, Sands Notre Dame, have seen seem to be, and we don't have a huge sample size, but seem to have more stringent standards and testing. So the, I I don't think that they're we're going to have as many breakouts as we've seen in some of these group of five schools, but uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I would be shocked if there wasn't at least a team or two that had even a more condensed schedule that was, than what's on the schedule. So trying to figure out this college football playoff with all these conferences have different formats, different amount of games, it's going to be a mess. Stucky, uh, your, your Ravens on Monday, that's a big game of the week. What's going on with Chiefs and Ravens on Monday? Uh, in, is the three and the hook justified? Right now, I actually make it like 3.3. I took, I took some when it was like three. I took some Ravens money line and, and, and just threw it in with the Colts at, at even money uh, in a money line parlay. I think the Ravens win this game. The Chiefs offense, it's just a little off right now, the timing. And they have issues on that defense. We know that they can't defend the run. You know, they have injuries at cornerback. And – you know, how you beat the Chiefs, the Chargers showed us they have the recipe. You know, you need really good defensive backs, which the Ravens do have. And, you know, you need to control the clock, keep Mahomes on the sideline, and just run the ball, which the Ravens can do as well as anybody. So, I mean, I think that they're going to they're gonna control the clock. They're going to run it right down the Chiefs' throats. I mean, the Chiefs still can't defend the run. That's an awful, awful run defense. What happens with the Chiefs and their corners – who are banged up, have been banged up. They started playing better at the end of the year, but it's a good pass defense. You know, if Honey Badger, you can use it in a bunch of different ways. And they get a lead, they force you to throw, and they have, they have you know, good pass rushers, and you have Chris Jones in the middle who can get after the quarterback, and they have good edge rushers. But I, I don't see them, you know, getting out to a big lead and, and you know, forcing Lamar to drop back and have to throw. Um, the Ravens are going to run their offense, and I think they're going to move the ball at will uh, against the Chiefs. I, I think the Ravens are – the best team in the NFL. They're bad, the best roster in the NFL, top to bottom. We'll see if they can finally win a playoff game with Lamar. It's a different question. One of the things I am watching with the Ravens, though, which I, I don't think is going to hurt as much this week, but you won't hear a lot of people talk about this, but the loss of Tavon Young is huge, especially when you play teams with really good outside big receivers. What, the, what makes the Ravens' defense go is they have two elite, really elite cornerbacks in Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. When they play on the outside, that's where they're most comfortable. That's, you know, when they play on the boundary corners and, you know, you can move, Peters will, you know, play press man. He'll also play robber and he'll, he'll, he'll gamble a little bit. But when they're on the outside, they're at their best. That's what Tavon Young, who, you know, he just got can't stay healthy. He's a third season he's going to miss. He's, the Ravens made him the highest paid slot corner in the NFL last, before last year for a reason. And they use him in so many different ways. I mean, because Wick Martindale, all he does is blitz. He blitzes everybody. And Tavon Young can cover in the slot. He can blitz. He does so much. And more importantly, he allows Peters and Humphrey to play on the outside. Last year when Young got hurt and then Jimmy Smith came back from injury, 
Humphrey had to play in the slot because Jimmy Smith can't play in the slot. He's and Peters has to be on the boundary. Smith is just he's way too lanky. He's not fast anymore. He's had so many injuries. So I think you're going to see Humphrey play in the slot a lot on Monday night. I don't like on the outside. I don't know if Jimmy Smith. They're going to play Jimmy Smith at the other corner. I mean, you have Levine, Averett. I don't. They might have to sign a slot corner. I'm thinking, but against the Chiefs, it's actually not a big deal. I mean, they're going to have a, a really good receiver, a really fast receiver in the slot. So if you have Humphrey in there matched up against Hill or Hardman, who's in the slot, that that's perfectly fine. But it's something to monitor because. Tavon Young was just such an important Swiss Army knife piece that allowed everyone to play their natural position. So I don't think it'll hurt them too much against the Chiefs, but it's something worth noting in the future and, and seeing how the Ravens play this, if they play it any different this week, um, or if they go out and get a, a slot corner, because it's, it's an important position for them, them specifically. Well, what is your favorite NFL bet this weekend? I'll give you two. The Saints minus three. I still make that near five. I mean, the Packers have looked great. I don't think Adams is going to play, but they did it against, you know, two depleted secondaries full of rookies. And um, this is still a bad run defense. Uh, I think the Saints are just getting undervalued here. Great buy low sell high spot that we saw what we saw in Vegas. I'm not a believer in Breeze uh, this year. I think he's on just the downward hill, but I think they'll be able to run the ball. They'll be able to short passing attack without Adams. I mean, this Packers team is just way overvalued. This line shouldn't be New Orleans minus three at home. They still have one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. And then the other one I'll give is New England. It's just a great spot for the Patriots. You know, after a loss, Belichick like 72% against the spread. You have the Raiders on a short week with less prep coming across the country after a big win on Monday night for an early kick. Belichick will take away your biggest strength, as everyone knows. So I'm sure that he's going to load the box. He's going to you know, bracket and take away Waller. And he could do that because he has the corners that can match up on the outside and just play man. Um, and the Raiders' defense is just atrocious. They get no pressure. They have no corners. So I, I don't think Cam will have any problem moving the ball. I actually loved, love, love that bet. But I'm a little – the one thing that concerns me about that is David Andrews, the Patriots center, who just – I mean, he's their best offensive lineman. Without him, there's going to be shuffling all over that could get messy. And he has a, a cast on his – wrist and he was snapping with his left arm in practice yesterday so I'm really curious to get an update on him today and his status and see what he looks like and because that could be an important piece but I, I still like the Patriots uh, in, in a great spot and I think a, a great matchup on both sides of the ball uh, at six or under is great. As you probably heard earlier I'm also on the Pats laying it to the Raiders so I like that pick from Stucky there. Follow BetSweats on Twitter at BetSweats. Subscribe to the BetSweats podcast. It's live 9 to 11 a.m. every day on the Radio.com app. The podcast clips usually up around noon. Up next, we get some pony picks from our guy Jim Miller. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Thanks for listening to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. You've got 670 The Score and the Radio.com app around this time. Every single Saturday, we bring in our friend Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Jim, we had the Points Bet mobile launch. I made yep. the first bet in the state. It was great. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, I, I wasn't even thinking about the retail launch by you guys at Hawthorne. That's right here, huh? 
Oh, it's just around the corner, and it's crazy, Joe, to think that it's just around the corner because you still have full-blown casino and sportsbook expansion going on at Hawthorne, but we have a smaller area that we've been able to dedicate to racing and to the sports better. And when you talk about a smaller area, you're still talking about hundreds of TVs there, talking about accessible, easy betting kiosks to play on. Points bet will be right there as well to get people signed up. You come in the door, you can make your bets right off the bat and then head on your way. So it is. It's a very cool setup. And this is coming where, I mean, you're less than a week away, which is very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we've got the Preakness coming up next week. I had to double check it's on insane. the dates. I'm like, wait, wait, October 3rd? That is next Saturday. Can't keep up with all the sports going on. So you can bet on everything over at PointsBet at Hawthorne Racecourse. They'll be opening this week, as Jim just mentioned. So we'll have a full breakdown of the Preakness next week. But do we have any winners for today? We do have some winners for today. We had a pretty good week last week again. So we're going to look at three races at Santa Anita on the Saturday afternoon card. Races 7, 8, and 9. And race 7, bet the four horse. Mucho unusual. Bet this horse across the board. It's 5 to 1 in the morning line. Should fit well in that company. Then go on to the 8th. Bet the one horse. Touchdown Brown across the board. A great name for our sports betting friends. 5 to 1 again. And then in race number 9, look to the two. Originaire. This is a horse that you can bet the win in place, 7-2, to might have a chance to pull off an upset. Let's see if we can make some money going into the Preakness. Yeah, if you've been tailing Jim lately, he's on a run right now. You've been making some good coin. Uh, so I suggest you listen to that advice from our very own Jim Miller over at Hawthorne Racecourse. Thank you, Jim. And uh, next week, full preview of the Preakness, all right? Yeah, we're ready to roll, Joe. Thanks. And speaking of points bets, you can enter points bet money Mondays. That's a contest we do. Every single week on BetSweats, my radio.com sports daily show, 9 to 11 a.m. live. Subscribe to the podcast. Basically, what we do is we give away a free $50 bet every Monday, courtesy of PointsBet. To enter, you have to follow BetSweats on Twitter. You subscribe to the podcast, and you leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Then you're entered every single week forever something that's not even going to take a minute of your time easy follow bet sweats on twitter subscribe to the podcast leave a five-star rating and a review on itunes simple and use your twitter handle as your name on the review if you don't have one talk to someone who has a twitter handle or sign up and get a twitter handle and then you're good to go big thanks to jim miller drew dinsick stucky and chuck esposito for coming on early odds with joe ostrowski this week Inside the clubhouse is next on the score. And I'm not sure of my score schedule coming up because we have no idea which days and which times the Cubs will be playing uh, in the first round of the playoffs. I will let you know on Twitter at Joe0670 at Joe0670. Best of luck this weekend, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.